Welcome into the Autzen Audible's podcast. Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show today. Uh, we are making a little quick little pivot here. Um, we're going to talk about some Athlon accolades for the Oregon Duck football program. Um, Jared wrote the story on DuckTerritory.com. 12 Ducks make all-conference selections here. Um, we were just joking about this, guys. Four teams, though. Four, four all-conference teams. It's, all four of them. It's quite a bit. It's like half the conference is recognized, which is probably probably too much. Um, just, yeah, just a little. We're gonna. We've got some thoughts on who was listed by by Athlon out of Oregon and who wasn't listed. Um, Jared, you want to list off? Let's start with the first team. And we can go with this one. If there's any gripes here, if we should move up or move down. But do you want to list off the guys that were on the first team? Sure thing. Yeah, just four Ducks made it. Uh, TJ Bass, Alex Forsythe held down the offensive line. And then Noah Sewell and Brandon Dorless were the first team selections on defense. Um, I thought it was pretty, pretty reasonable. Yeah. Honestly, uh, you know, Noah Sewell and Brandon Dorless are two of the better returnees. Um, I don't know if there's a more obvious pick for first-team offensive line than Alex Forsyth or TJ Bass. That um, they're just, you know, they're obviously they're Oregon's best offensive linemen. Um, they they clearly are. I don't know. I think I think they're the best offensive players going into the season for Oregon. I think there's just a lot more question marks other than the offensive line there. Yeah, I mean, if you look at these, it makes sense. These are the players listed um, based upon last year. Um, the all-conference right. team. These are these are the guys that were on the first and second team. Period. Um, Bass was a first-team all-conference offensive lineman. Dorless and Sewell were first-team on defense. Forsyth was second-team um, all-Pac-12 offense. Nobody else was listed on any of the teams. And so, like, if you're, I guess, Camden Lewis was a special teams guy. We'll get to that in a moment. He was second-team. But like, if you're just Athlon and you're trying to put this together and you're looking at two returns that were first or second team probably makes it pretty easy to settle on the four Oregon guys you mentioned there. Um, and it would be, I think you'd probably have gripes if either of the, any, if any of those four weren't on the first team, you could probably be a little frustrated, but I think the way it stands, it's pretty, it's pretty reasonable. I, I kind of wonder like if I was going to do any kind of movement, it would probably bump someone down that up. I don't think, I don't think any of these four guys should be on the second team, but I think there's probably a stronger case that one of these four should be on the second team opposed to someone who's on that second team being on the first team. Um, I, I just don't, I don't see anyone that and Jared can list off the guys that made the second or third team all conference selections, but I just don't see anyone in that group that should be in the discussion for a first team all conference honor based off of what they've done previously. Yeah, and second team was Cardwell, uh, Eric mentioned, Camden Lewis, place kicker, Popo Amovai, and then Justin Flo. Um, that's, yeah, I mean, it's a tough one. I, I do like to see Camden Lewis being in there for the second team. Um, but, you know, Cardwell, I think, could make a first team run, but you kind of look at the running back talent in the, in the Pac 12 with, with Tavion Thomas at Utah, Zach Charbonnet, UCLA, at Travis Dye, USC now. Um, that's he, he can't go over any of those guys. It would no, be ridiculous. no, he would have to be absolutely ridiculous. And uh, you know, I'm not saying that that Byron Cardwell can't be absolutely ridiculous, but there's you know, there's not a, not a I wouldn't wouldn't bet on it. Not a great chance of those things happening. 
Um, and then for, sorry, I misread this, but um, third team was was Popo and, and, and Justin Flo with the second team of Candon Lewis. Um, that's that sounds about right for yeah. for Popo and 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 Justin Flo. Um, I think Popo obviously is a good player, but we'll get to who who we think might be snubs. But um, no Sam Taimani references from Athlon in these rankings. I think that was probably my biggest snub. I think I could easily see Taimani taking this spot of Popo, or maybe even you know bringing it up to second team defensive lineman. Um, and flow obviously is just a massive question mark. They don't, we don't know um, exactly what it's going to be. We, again, we've seen them be fully healthy for one game and it was a hell of a game, but it's one, you know, they, there's plenty of other players on this, on this list who have played, you know, dozens of more games than Justin flow and to see him on that, that 13 defense, I think is an accomplishment in its own, right. Just as, or um, just the potential level that he has to be. So I could see him moving higher, but he has to stay healthy. And that's something that's, again, not something that's a great bet on at this point. Just And to clarify what I meant on Cardwell, I'm not saying it's ridiculous that he could ever be first team. I'm saying it would be ridiculous in a preseason thing yeah. to have him over Thomas, right. and over Charbonnet, and over Travis Dye, who were all... Yes. I'm pulling up last year's team again. Those guys were, were all represented on either the first or, or the second. Well, I guess Travis Dye was – it's weird that Travis Dye wasn't on any of the teams, but I guess he was nearly that level. Charbonnet and Thomas were first and second team guys um, a year ago. So I don't have any gripes with Carbo being third team. That feels fair. <laughs> um, and I, as we talked about in the past, like I, he still has to kind of like solidify the job, I think. I don't think it's like set in stone. Um, I posted a little bit on Duck Territory. I did speak with somebody who said that that competition is probably a little bit more ongoing than some people want to expect it to be because it felt like based upon how he performed a couple games last year and then having a pretty strong spring, at least when we watched, that he was that it was kind of locked and loaded there. But I don't know. I think he's going to have competition. Oregon's brought in some good guys. Camden Lewis being second team, if he was first team, that would be strange because the Dean Janikowski from Washington State's back, he was the first team, so you can't really do that. Um, and then Amavai... Fine with third team seems fair. He was he was honorable mention last year. Flow being third team, as you said, is just purely based on potential. Like talent wise, he can be first or second team. The guy's played one game. It'd be really weird if he was like first team. First, first team, team yeah. basically at this point. So now I I actually think you look through the Oregon guys we got so far. I feel like that's all like the eight players we've talked about all feel reasonably placed. And I think Flow, you could probably argue maybe is even just a, a, a cut above where he should be just because it's so much uncertainty, even though I, I'm really high on who he can be. Yeah. Um, I, I, I look at this group and think there really isn't anyone so far that that's been missing. And I, I look at the group that that's been listed from Oregon and think you could make a case that all of them could be on first team at the end of the year. But like sure. Eric said, there's so many questions or, you know, little data to back it up that going into the season, you're going to project them as a first or a second team all-conference player. Um, I mean, I think would, – would any of us be surprised if Flo was defensive MVP or, you know, most valuable player in 2022 for the Pac-12? Like, it wouldn't be Probably. my first choice. It wouldn't be my no. second choice, but, like – if you told me, hey, Oregon had a great year and Flo won Defensive Player of the Year, like I could, I could see that scenario playing out. 
Yeah, it's not a totally inconceivable like outcome. I would say it would surprise me just because of what we haven't seen with him. But right. the, the upside there is I, I, here's what I'll say: the upside there is that he could be the best player in the conference on defense. Like I don't think that's absurd. He's I'm going to guess the highest rated player in the conference as a recruit that's still in the conference. If you were to look through it, it's probably if it's not him, it's someone very close. And he's like what fourth nationally in his class. Yeah, right. than all these guys. Probably, so it's not yeah. really inconceivable. We just haven't seen it yet. I mean, it's. It's tough. It's not inconceivable, but uh, it, it, it's pretty far-fetched. Just for like the deep deploy. I mean, he's a linebacker first off, and then you know, just playing one game. I'm unbelievably high on flow. I've been high on flow for a long time this, this spring. Um, I've loved to see that he's gotten back in, or into the fastball periods of, of spring practices at the end. Um, he posts his workout videos on Instagram. It looks like he's doing well physically. Um, and it's, we just got to see it. Man, that's all. If he, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he rises to a second team or first team, um, especially with playing alongside Noah Sewell. Like that's just going to be, uh, even regardless of how it does, it's going to be a, a, a media portion that everybody's going to love because those are two physical, fast, and intimidating linebackers, um, and it's definitely going to get a lot of attention. Um, and if he's really good, he could be in that discussion, but. The fact that he's a linebacker in this conference should theoretically have an influx of, of new defensive ends and, and should probably be a defensive end position uh, who probably wins it all. But um, I, don't know, I could see him having some type of Devin Lloyd season and really putting his name into contention and doing that. But first, he's got to beat out Noah Sewell, which is going to be the hard part. Yes. Um, but he's still, sure. yeah, he's still, um, he's still a potential guy to, to move up those rankings. I feel like if he makes third or second team at the end of the season, I think that's, that'll be a solid overall season for him. Now the fourth team is kind of basic. In my opinion, it's basically honorable mention here, but it's yeah. its own team. Um, there's definitely some projections here on some of these guys. And there's also some that I'm quite surprised didn't get listed here. Jared could give us the rundown on, on the fourth team selections. Sure thing. Uh, Sean Dollars gets in there on the, on the offense. So does Dante Thorne and Ryan Walk. Um, defense is one is alone. Christian Gonzalez there as a cornerback on the fourth team. And that's about it. Um, seems like Matt said a lot of projections here, especially for, for Thornton or, or Sean Dollars. Um, Gonzalez, I think, is a little low, but I think the cornerback – Depth in the conference is pretty high. Um, Ryan Walk, fourth team. I think that's interesting. It's just kind of like the story of his career at this point. Just everybody kind of saying like, hey, he's, he's all right, but yeah, he's a walk-on, whatever. And then, well, he's second team, whatever. Um, it seems like he can make a name for himself. Uh, I thought um, I could see him being higher in this list and I'd be okay with it. Uh, the offensive line, again, Pac-12 has some good offensive linemen this year as well. Um but the projections for Dollars and Thornton, um, Dollars obviously coming off a lot of injuries. We don't necessarily know how the running back rotation is going to look uh, with Marquis Irving and Noah Whittington and Byron Cardwell all competing for time with Dollars. And then Thornton, he had a solid final game of the season last year. And um, that's about it. He had a good, great spring game, but... Again, a lot of projection here. Obviously, big fan of Dante Thornton with his height, speed, and athleticism. Um, if Oregon's getting the ball downfield, I feel like he's going to be a primary target in that regard. Um, I think fourth team or honorable mention, really, like Matt was saying, I think that's fair for him. Um, I think it'd be 
wild to try to put him on a, on a third team or something like that instead of uh, people who have actual game experience and actual numbers to their career. One, I just looked it up. One thought on the flow DPOI thing, not to, to belabor it. Three of the last four Pac-12 years of player of the years have been inside linebackers. So maybe there is a mm. case for that, but I would agree with Jared that typically pass rushers. And you look back at like, I think like five of the six right before it were defensive linemen, but uh, just a thought, just to kind of a follow up there. Um, Gonzalez should be higher in my opinion. I know he hasn't played yeah. much Oregon, but seven of the eight all Pac-12 defensive backs from last year are gone. And Greg Gonzalez was one of, I think, nine guys who were honorable mention last year in the conference. And so I would argue probably a case he can move up, especially because there's quite a bit of hype. I posted a little bit on the message board, but I haven't shared it here. Like I, I talked to somebody who suggested that Gonzalez might be like pound for pound the best defensive player on the team, which I thought was a really strong statement. Um, and But kind of speaks to kind of the the optimism around him. Like I think if there's a guy currently listed that should be up a couple teams, it would be him. Like I feel like there's, I mean, if you're talking about actual on-field production, he's produced more than anybody on the second or third team besides maybe Popo that's on that list from Oregon. Like certainly mm -hmm. more than Hartwell. Yeah. He's a three-year starter. He was honorable mention last year. Flo's barely played. Um, Camden Lewis has had kind of a shaky career, even though I'm still team Camden. I, I believe he turned a bit of a corner last year. Obviously, the guys in the first team, you can't argue because, like I said earlier, we're all first and second team. But I think of the guys that we've talked about thus far, Gonzalez has the biggest gripe for not being higher. And I'm kind of expecting and anticipating he will be a uh, first or second team guy, or at least in that conversation. I mean, I think fourth team, yeah, right. Th these third and fourth team are technically honorable mention because the Packers only does two teams. I think Gonzalez will be a little better than that. But again, I understand new school, new team, probably trying to figure out how all that plays out. Sean Dollars being a running back mentioned here, I found really interesting. I mean, another guy with next to zero actual production at Oregon, like yeah. Justin Flo. Um, and the fact that, like, I don't think it's a sure thing that he's one of the team's top two running backs. And I, and I thought he had a great spring, but no, Whittington was really, I thought he had a good spring. Um, Bucky Irving comes in from Minnesota and had has a much more, I mean, Irving has more, I think he's run for more yards than anyone on Oregon's roster. He was at Minnesota and yeah. he was like, <laughs> as, as highly like one year. Yeah, as highly rated to running back as any of these other guys. I think a little bit higher rated than all of them, besides Cardwell's like a slightly above them. All these guys are kind of grouped together. I think Dollars is actually higher rated, but they're, they're like all grouped together and like pretty interchangeable from a recruiting ranking perspective. So like I want I want to be optimistic about dollars. I just find that to be a bit weird. I think Ryan Walk has a case to be higher, probably. Um and Thornton's another weird like I guess you get to the bottom here, like I said earlier you are recognizing like half the conference's players basically. So you're going to get the guys where it's just like, sure. Right. Like Dante. Why, yeah. Why not? Yeah. Go for he, it. Hugely talented, like upside guy, but has, as Jared said, really had like one good game in his career and it was in a bowl game. And a lot of it was when the game was out of hand. So um, I think Dante can be awesome. And like, here's a question just to reframe it. Like, if you're picking one of the Oregon receivers to be on one of these teams, is Thornton your pick? Because I don't know if he would be for me. Hudson. Yeah, I mean, Hudson has the most experience mm. going back for sure. I don't think Hudson will be the best one in 2022, but I think he's got the strongest case to be listed of the guys on the roster. Totally. I think I, I kind of going the same way, man. I think Stevan actually might be that guy. I think he might have like the most the most stats at the end of the year in terms of touchdowns or yards per reception. Um, yeah. He could also just be the most uh, like 
media frenzy guy where it, it's almost like a crime. Like someone's going to be put into jail because they don't put Sean or uh, seven McGee on the second team pack 12, something like that. I can see. I, that. I just I mean, okay. I just had a thought on seven. Sorry, Matt. I was just gonna say seven is the, is the classic all purpose special teams guy that they have here on these first and second teams for the all pack 12. Um, where it's like their punt return, kick return, receiver. Yeah, we always have a guy at the bottom. Like he's that classic guy. Sorry, go ahead, Matt. Um, I was just gonna say he he makes those just crazy electric plays that maybe once a game, like he has like three catches for forty eight yards, but he has one play that goes for forty yards or something like that, and it was just ridiculous. And it just kind of like what Jared was saying, like the media is just going to love him because he does something crazy every game, which will amplify maybe his perceived impact. Um, I don't know if that's right or not to say it that way, but well, it will be better than maybe he, he is. So I, I would agree with Jared that he's another one that could, could maybe make the list. Um, I do have some gripes though of some players that were not listed Let's do it on this list for fourth air your grievances. Let's hear it. I I think if you're going to, if you're going to have three safeties on the fourth team and you're not going to include either Bennett Williams or Jamal Hill in one of those spots, that's pretty bad. Jamal Hill was an honorable mention, all conference player in 2020 in the coach's eyes. He took a step back a little bit last year partly because he was suspended the first game, had to kind of work his way into the starting rotation, and partly because Bennett Williams was on track for an all-conference season, possibly even an all-American season. He was the safety of the week nationally after one game, Um, and then he was lost for the year due to that injury. Um, To not have either one of those guys, I think, is a pretty big miss, especially when – Two of the three, Christian Young from Arizona, played on a really bad Arizona defense. And then Asa Turner from Washington played on a really bad Washington team. Like they didn't, they weren't winning, they weren't part of a winning program. And there was Oregon in the Pac 12 championship game with both of, you know, at different points of the year with, with either of these guys. So I, I think Williams or, or Hill have to be listed. I would probably side with Hill just because he, he's done it over a longevity at, you know, for now three years at Oregon. Um, but I, I personally think both should be listed on this list somewhere. Um, and then I kind of think Swinson needs to be on here too. If, if you're going to have Sean Dollars because of the projection and Thornton because of the projection, Swinson's actually had some legit moments strung out over you know, a couple of seasons. You're going to have dollars and you're going to have Ford and you need to have Swenson too. I think people just forget Bennett Williams is still around maybe. Yeah. It's a really weird career because like he was at Illinois and then he came to Oregon and he was a backup and then last year he was awesome, but then he got hurt. And then I think there was thought he was coming. I mean, he, he could have gone pro and then he, he didn't. And then he's not Oregon starter in spring, but I think we all think he probably ends up being a starter in, like eventually, or I think so. Yeah, it's a weird, he's a, here's a weird one. I think I agree with you, Matt, on Hill. Um, he's had big moments, probably should have been the Pac-12 Conference Championship defensive MVP back in 2020. I mean, he had the interception to seal it. I think he had a couple other big hits and plays in that game. I remember Kayvon Thibodeau at least kind of vouched for him because Kayvon won the award and was like, Jamal should have won it. Jamal's been a I, – I, I know he – it was a bit of an up-and-down year last year. 
I thought he played a little better towards the end, but he is an interesting omission. Um, Swinson to me is, is still like largely like I'm optimistic about him. I, I think he and DJ Johnson to me feel similar where it's like, we know they've had some moments, but it, they haven't put it together. And maybe that's why there's, but then, and I mean, and maybe there's just more, there probably is just more depth on the defensive line and outside linebacker that precludes those guys from, from being mentioned here, because I agree that like, it's weird to include Sean dollars on this list, frankly. I mean, like, yeah. not that I, not that I have a gripe that he's here. Cause I think that's unfair, but like, he's played a lot less than those guys. And those guys have both had moments that are more impressive. And I think if I'm, if I've got another gripe here, um, the tight end position, I know was really, and we've talked about the stats was not very effective last year, but I just think Terrence Ferguson is, is a pretty darn good player. And I think he'll prove to that. So maybe I don't have a gripe on the preseason component of this, but maybe I just expect he'll be somebody that's in consideration of this by the end of the season. More than anything else, I don't know if I have too many other ones that really, really bug me. It's it's, it's a weird list because you do have guys like Flo Thornton and Dollars who basically not played who are listed here, and yeah. then you, you have guys like Matt said who played quite a bit, been pretty productive players, and have gotten some all conference recognition that are on here. Um, you brought up a good one earlier, Jared. Like Taimani at Washington was an honorable mention guy last year, and he's not listed. Um, the rest of Oregon's players, I think we've mentioned everybody else. Yeah, we have. Oh, yeah, Funa's a guy who started as well. But um, Funa and Swinson are kind of battling for the same spot, I think. Yeah. So it would be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. But he's like a two-year starter. Yeah, yeah. Um, so at least. We had there. Yeah, I think it's it's a – I can't understand what Athlon's like – what their – I don't know how to say this – what their criterion was for people who, who made these teams because – as we just went through, there's a lot of guys like Jamal Hill or Bennett Williams, the outside linebacking group, Johnson, Swinson, Buna, Taimani, a bunch of the offensive line for Oregon, too, um, who have experience, who have started games, who have played meaningful snaps. Um, but then you have, you know, Sean Dollars and Dante Thornton. And, you know, there's, there's no doubt that they both have the talent to be there on that fourth team or that honorable mention list that we like to call it. Um, but I think a lot of other players in Oregon do, too. Um, I think it's trying to be fair to the teams as well um, because you can't have like USC and Oregon and Utah take up all the spots. Cause I think that would, that's kind of how it was in the first place. Um, I broke it down at the end of the article on DuckTerritory.com. It was 16 players for USC were on these teams, 12, 12 and 12 for UW, Oregon and Utah. Um, those were the top four teams. It's just, yeah, it's just kind of strange how they how they kind of put together some of these lists. Um, I think Bennett Williams and Jamal Hill are two of the most notable omissions. Um, my Sam Taimani hype will continue. Um, I at least I appreciate that Justin Flo is on this list because I do believe that he can be an all conference guy if he's healthy. Um, no Dante Manning either. Uh, I think he's a projection guy too, but he's you know could be worth a projection at the fourth team. Because I don't think that's, you know, if Athlon were to get that wrong, Dante Manning would absolutely stink. I don't think everybody's going to be riding home about how they predicted him to be a four-team all-conference person when that isn't a thing at the end of the season, the Pac-12. So I think, I don't know, I mean, as people who cover Oregon, I think there are a lot of players who we feel like could be on this team, um, just maybe not from 
Athlon who covers it all as a as a big picture instead of twelve individual little pictures. Do Do you think, Jared, and I guess Matt as well? Is it? It feels a little weird that Washington has the same number of guys here that Oregon. Not not to yeah. take too many shots here, but I, there's actually some data. I was just doing the data of like how many guys who had all conference recognition a year ago from Washington return, and the fact that they have twelve and won four games. First off, feels a little weird that they're on equal footing with Oregon. I understand USC has a bunch of transfers and there's a lot of hype there and that happens, but like Washington doesn't have that much hype. And if you look at last year's all conference teams, um, only one guy who made an all conference team is back and that's Jackson Kirkland. Um, and then if you look at their honorable mention list, uh, only one, two, only two guys that are back. So they had three guys who are all conference honorable mention or made a team last year who return. And yet they have 12 players represented. I don't think they hit the transfer portal that hard. So this is based largely on development. And I just feels like right. a stretch that nine guys that weren't recognized last year suddenly are recognized. Um, I don't know. I, I just thought that was, I just thought it was weird looking at that list trying to go, okay. And I understand there's projection and they did a little bit of projection with Oregon and Oregon has two guys, three guys on here who really haven't proven anything. And so you can probably do the same thing for Washington, but it's not like Washington returns a roster that has a bunch of A-listers from my perspective. So I thought that was a little odd that they were kind of considered equal footing with Utah and Oregon who, I think the expectations are that both those programs will have better years. I mean, there wrote some quick math here. I mean, in the last three seasons, they're 15 and 14 as a program. Like that's not very good. Um, in conference, they're 10 and 12. And so you, I would, I would, I would say, okay, well, maybe if if they're banking on the fact that maybe last year was just a down year and that you know the the, the Jimmy Lake era was just so poorly run, the talent was misused. That's one thing. When you know you go back a couple seasons and you see huge numbers from a winning perspective, but a lot of the players that were on the 16, 17, 18 rosters when they won 12, 10, and 10, they're not here anymore. Right. So I'm yeah, with I, you. I think it's interesting because I definitely – I going into that list when I saw that it was posted, I definitely anticipated USC was going to get more than anybody else. Um, that's kind of how it is with a team like that who's, who's the talk of the town. I think that happens to USC no matter what. Um, they usually lead the conference or at least tied for the first or second spot in preseason picks. Um, again, they should be much better this year. They actually have a real coach, so that helps. Um, for Washington, they bring in an entirely new staff. Um, they haven't hit the transfer portal hard. Um, I think going off their past record is is an, is can be an indicator of talent that they have on their roster, but it also can't be because they did have you know, one first round draft pick this season. It's same as Oregon. They had more people drafted in the NFL draft than Oregon did. Um, they have talent there. Did they suddenly find nine more players to be added to a potential conference team? I'm not quite sure. Um, but they certainly have the talent there. It's just the same thing, though. It's it's one thing when you're anticipating the development of a Washington defensive player with Jimmy Lake as a defensive coordinator or Pete whatever his last name is, I can't pronounce it off the top of my head with him as a defensive coordinator. Um, that's one thing that's a, that was a fair assumption for a couple years is that a guy would improve under those two coordinators. It's not necessarily a fair assumption now because we, 
as, as a whole, as college football as a whole, don't necessarily understand what their defense is going to look like in the next couple seasons, nor do we know um, how the development is going to look like on offense or defense. So I think it was interesting that Washington had the same amount of players um, as Oregon, as Utah, because I think, you know, we did, Eric and I did the, the Pac-12 schedule and predictions over-unders. last season over-unders. Um, but, and it's clear that it's, it seems like it's going to be a three-headed monster in the Pac-12. And USC, Oregon, and, and Utah seem to be the top three. I don't think, did we have, I don't think we had Washington hitting the over, Eric. And, no, because their over was the same as Oregon's, I think. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't see them hitting the over if there was one here on the all-conference team either. I, and not to belabor the points of, of adding stuff up, I know USC did a lot, a lot of transfers and players that are probably all-conference to other schools. Um, USC has one player back who made an all-pack 12 first or second team and then two players who made honorable mention. So that's three players, and they're expected to have 16. Again, I'm not trying to be – I understand, like, USC is a little different animal, and I'd have to go through and look at their list a little more closely because I'll be honest, I, I didn't do it in the pre-show. I just I did the Washington numbers, and so but I was looking at USC to see if it was similar. So it's like 13, 13 guys that weren't first or second team or honorable mention a year ago um, <laughs> for you playing at USC are now expected to be. And I understand, like, if you were to look through this list, you'd find some guys like Travis Dye, I know, is on the list. He's at USC. He's on, um, I think, the second team running back for Pac-12 on the Athlon thing. So there's one off the top of my head. And I think there's a couple other guys that were all conference. Like Jordan Addison, obviously was an all conference player, best receiver in the country, like whatever. I understand that. But like there is a bit of Caleb Williams, even there's a bit of projection projecting going on here. Clearly we talked about on the Oregon side with guys who have no real success rate or haven't done a whole lot at at Oregon. It's happening at other schools. I just think it seems like the rate is a little bit heightened at Washington and and USC from my perspective. I'm also we're also doing an Oregon podcast and obviously probably favor Oregon over those schools. Uh, it's going to be cer- certainly interesting to see how this plays out. Um, more and more of these lists will continue to, to drop out. I'm sure we'll do something from a 24 seven sports perspective and we'll have plenty of more opinions. And that's the great thing about uh, I think next couple of months is there's going to be a lot of speculation, a lot of discussion that will come around with these types of stories. Um, keep your eyes out for more of it. Go to duckterritory.com for more coverage just on Oregon football in general. Uh, guys, we are about two months away from fall camp starting. So before you blink, it's, it's going to be here. Uh, get ready. Enjoy your summer because football is coming. Uh, until the next podcast, uh, you've been listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace.